All right, good morning. A couple little things to go over real fast, maybe. Um, baby bottles, just keep getting them. We still got a bunch of empty ones out here, so y'all need to be taking them home with you and, and putting them $100 bills in it like Rita keeps talking about. There's some out here, so grab one take home with you or two take home with you. Um, we're going to bring them back here uh, by Father's Day and turn them back in. Um, still need some volunteers to help sell tickets for the Highland Games and the money that uh, will be, is it $5,100? I think I said that last week. $5,100 that the Highland Games is going to give back to the Avery Baptist Association uh, for their help for uh, selling tickets. They need help July 8th through 11th, a bunch of different times that need to be filled. Uh, if you're interested in helping, then you can call Rose Gates, and I've got her number up here for you if you want to give her a call. And then um, it's a boy. Nobody got that yet. So last Sunday we found out that it was a boy. So now I'm exci extremely excited and uh, can't wait till October gets here. Avon. Oh, she's not here. Oh, no, I could barely see the side. Of okay, well, I'll just leave that right there for the next time. I'll make sure to embarrass her. If you got your Bible, uh, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I thought Keith was going to be all over this this morning, but luckily he's in first, the first chapter, not the fourth chapter. And he, he tiptoed all over the message this morning. One of the things we think about or, or may not think about that often is tomorrow and the uncertainty of Tomorrow, I know the Bible tells us that our life is, is but a vapor. We don't know if there'll be a tomorrow. We don't know if there'll be a next second or a next minute or a next hour. We don't have a clue as to what the Lord has in store for us. Even the Lord himself doesn't know when he'll come back. The Bible tells us that God himself, God only, knows when he will send his son back to, to get his bride or to get the church. So we don't know about tomorrow. Now, I, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I have this. I've got a sixth sense of humor anyway. I love to read about people that think they know when the end of times is going to be. I some, of the, some of the craziest things, you know, we read about it, and most of us have got to experience the things where they talk about Haley's Comet and some of these old crazy things going on. Um, that's some Tennessee wives' tales there, Kristen, that we, that we were talking about a while ago. But there, there was one I was reading about, and I'll read this to you real fast. Is a is back in 1980. Um, it said years ago, Willie Willie Day Smith, a Texas radio preacher, made an announcement. He said the rapture would happen on April 1st. You ever notice it's always on April Fool's Day? It's always on April Fool's. But it said the rapture would happen on April 1st, 1980, at 2 p.m. Smith said that things are coming to an end. Time is very short. We're in the final countdown. Here's the funny part. The newspaper was unable to reach him on April 2nd for questions. Uh, don't know where he got to. He's probably still hiding somewhere. But we don't know about tomorrow. People make predictions all the time about tomorrow. I worked with a guy at Samaritan's Purse. Um, Jim Moore was his name. He was the biomedtech uh, manager. And he would tell you, he knows, he says he knows when the Lord's coming back. He said, it's right in your Bible. He said, you just got to know how to read it and interpret it and you'll know when it comes back. And he said, if you've got about an hour to spare, we'll, I'll tell you about it. And I didn't want to hear it. I, I just didn't. I didn't. I mean, I, that's 
I probably out of curiosity should have sat and listened to him, but I didn't. I just didn't want to hear it. But people today interpret the 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 current political situations that we're going through and the social events that we're seeing right now as signs of the end of time. I'll be honest with you. I believe we are getting closer to the end times. I, I do believe, and I, I'll tell you this: we're we're closer today than we was yesterday. But there's been preachers, Jerry, your daddy probably pre- preached in times his whole time behind the pulpit. That's, we all feel like it is getting closer and closer and closer. Yes, it is. We're, you know, like I said, we're closer today than we was yesterday. But things are starting to show nowadays, uh, and it's just more proof that we're getting closer to the end of times. There's one thing that's going to happen that's actually taking place right now that we talk about, and it's the falling away of the church. And you can't tell me that we don't see a falling away of the church right now. I'm not talking about church splits or things like that. What I'm talking about is just flat out not going to church. We don't see church members. We don't see active churches anymore. We're seeing a falling away. That's biblical. We knew that was going to happen, and it is taking place right now. One thing's pretty clear at the, right now, though, but reading the New Testament, especially reading over in Revelation, um, we should live like Jesus is coming back at this very moment. Everything we do in the Christian life especially, we should live just like Jesus is going to be coming back in the next hour or tomorrow. Again, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We, we don't know. There is no promise of tomorrow. There's no guarantee that we're going to wake up in the morning here in heaven. We might wake up, or here on earth, I'm sorry. We might wake up in heaven or somebody unfortunately may wake up in hell i don't know but we need to be living today whatever today is i've done lost count of it living today like we know there is no tomorrow and that's exactly where keith was going this morning <laughs> there may not be a tomorrow for any of us but how can we live like there's no tomorrow and, and peter does a pretty good job of, of giving us some pointers on how to live like there is not going to be a tomorrow and we're going to look at a few things that he has laid out here for us, and we're going to be over in 1 Peter 4, 7, if you want to stand with me just a moment. 1 Peter 4, 7. The Bible says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Remember, charity is love. Above all things, have fervent charity, fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. I love that part. (laughs) He wasn't Baptist. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we come to you and we want to thank you for today. We thank you for yesterday. God, and if you see fit, we'll thank you for tomorrow. And Lord, I pray that we would live our lives as if we knew that you would come back tomorrow. Lord, we thank you for knowing that if we do have another tomorrow, that your mercy and your grace and your love would be new tomorrow, and you would just continue to, to use us. You would continue to make paths for us, ways for us. You continue to allow us uh, to be a witness to someone around us if you see fit to let us live one more day here on earth. And I pray, God, that we do take advantage of the time, the short time that we have, 
here on earth. The average lifespan here, I think, is around 78 years old or so. And uh, God, I, I pray that we take advantage of all the days and the years that you allow us to be here on earth. And Lord, I pray that those of us that are saved, that we have a testimony as we walk, as we, as we talk, as we are around people, that they would see us, see you and all that we say and do. Lord, may we be a witness. May we be able to praise you through the thick and through the thin. Lord, may we praise you through the storms of our lives, the trials that we go through, the persecution that we might feel. God, may we praise you and build up our testimony and give you the glory for all that takes place. And Father, we want to thank you for the week. Thank you for, uh, as we celebrate Memorial Day, thank you for those soldiers that laid down their lives so that we can worship freely here inside Chestnutdale and in this great country that we live in. And I pray, Lord, that we not forget. And Lord, I pray that every day it would be a Memorial Day that we honor and remember those fallen soldiers. And Lord, just thank you again for uh, your, your loving hand this week. I want to uh, pray for uh, uh, Ken's uh, cousin, Eddie. Uh, Stamey as he's uh, in hospice care now and I pray Lord that you would just uh, be with that family as uh, as Louise said that he is a believer and uh, there's no worries about where he's going to spend eternity when it's his time to go we just thank you for that and I pray Lord you just give them some comfort in the days ahead we love you and we praise you all in your son's name we pray amen all right you can have a seat so we're going to be looking at some things here about our, our lives and how we are to live and how Peter tells us First and Second Peter is great books to read. They're encouraging books to read. There's great well, the whole Bible, but you know it's good. It's encouraging for us, and it gives us a little guideline on how to live as Christians. And one of the things is that we need to understand. And he points out here in verse seven says, "But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer." We need to be living self-controlled. Self-control that, that's a tough one. Now, that is a fruit of the Spirit, having self-control. And we don't talk about it very often because it's something that we all struggle with. with. Self-control is a tough one for each one of us. And, and we know, Paul talks about uh, the flesh being weak. We know the flesh is weak. It's hard to have that self-control. We read things in the newspaper all the time. One of the headlines, and this is old, but one of the headlines at the front page of the, the Houston Post, it read, Violent Youths would as soon kill you as look at you. Violent youth just soon kill you as look at you. Ain't nothing changed. That's the way that this world is going now. I'm not going to say country, and I'm not going to say, say state or even county. That's the way this world is shaping up right now, that the youth of this world had rather take you out as to look at you. I can get on a soapbox here and tell you it's the parents' fault, but I think you already know that. Newspapers and media all over the place, they're overflowing with these articles and these stories about these drug-related deaths of these, of these uh, 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 actors and these music people, and, and, and you see it, and it just keeps, it stirs up our youth, unfortunately, and it makes them want to go and, and be more like them, unfortunately. They want to be more like these rock stars and these actors and all this and and they they like to see that power they love to see the uh the authority that these people have and they want that but what ends up happening is they they start abusing this power and they start getting into the drugs and the alcohol and, and all the sin that goes along with fame and fortune and they fall 
they don't just stumble, they fall. And they hit hard, and a lot of times when they hit, it ends up in, it, with death when they hit so hard. This abuse of power, this abuse of substance, it, it, it's pretty clear there's one theme that runs through the minds of, of especially the, the rich and the famous and the powerful. Our society is corrupt. This world we're living in right now, it is corrupt. It is all about the bad anymore. They just, they worship sin. They find pleasure in sin. They find uh, gratification in sin. And so we're finding now that this world we're living in, it, we're in a corrupt crisis right now because of sin. But it's caused by individual indulgence. It's the individual. It is self-control. It's a self-control problem. Can't say no. That's what I was over at the at the elementary school this week for Paisley. They were signing her up for some classes for this coming year. And we were talking about some different things. And um, one of the, the guys there is the assistant principal at Hardin Park School. And I was actually driving his school bus for him. My sister had called me back in March and said our assistant principal is uh, he's having to drive a school bus right now because they had to let one of the bus drivers go. The assistant principal at that school, at Hardin Park School, is in charge of the buses and the bus drivers. So he has to be out there in the mornings to check the buses in and all the students in. So it was a, a pain for him to drive the bus, get off the bus, and go check in all these students. She said, can you come drive a couple days for me? That was, what, early March, I think. Yeah, I drove up until the last day of school. My sister owes me big time. But this man that I drove for was there, and we were talking about different things that, that I had been doing this year the past few months, and he said, man, you, you just don't know how to say no, do you? I thought, man, that's going to work right in great with the sermon. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know how to say no. When I worked, when I started dispatching, I started out at Blowing Rock Police Department, and I'll never forget, um, uh, Dennis Swanson was my lieutenant out there, and Dennis would come in, and it's like I never went home. I stayed there all the time. I was always working, and he walked in one morning, brought his lunch. He always come in with a lunchbox in one hand, a banana in the other, and he'd come in. He set his lunchbox in the refrigerator, and he pointed that banana at me. He said, say no. I said, do what? He said, say no. He said, next time they call you and say, can you come fill in, say no. It's hard. Self-control. We, we lack self-control in our life. We lack self-control, and it kills our self-respect. Lack of self-control, it kills friendships. Lack of self-control, it kills marriages. It kills careers. Lack of self-control, <laughs> it will kill ministries. That lack of self-control will absolutely, it'll bog you down. And make you lose everything that you love. No one can brag that they've that we've always avoided the clutches of self-control. Not one person can say, oh, my whole life I've avoided self-control and what it can do for me. We can't. Because every one of us has said yes to something we shouldn't have or no to something we shouldn't have or should have. We lack self-control in our lives. The devil, he uses that. That's another one of his tools in his toolbox is that's self-control, and, and, or not having self-control, I'm sorry. Not having self-control, and he uses that. I know that failure, and he ain't going to say no, so let's just go ahead and have that person talk to him a little bit and see if they can get him to do this or do that because he's not going to turn it down. What's the key, though, to living a self-controlled life? There's keys to it. 
What is a key to living a self-controlled life? The refusal to allow our enemies to rule and have hold captive over each one of us. We have to refuse. Folks, we've got to be just like Peter. We've got to be like Jesus, and we have to rebuke the devil. That's how we can have self-control over the things of this world, over the devil, over flesh. Believe it or not, we've got to rebuke the devil because he can get in the flesh. We can be carnally minded. We tend to do that. But we need to be able to rebuke the devil and tell him to get behind us like Peter, like Jesus, and say, I control myself. Devil, you don't control me. World, you don't control me. Flesh, you don't control me. I've got Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let him control me. I'm going to let him guide me. So get behind me. Devil, I ain't got time to mess with you right now. Just get behind me. I've got better things to do in my life. The enemy right now is this world. The enemy right now is flesh. And the enemy right now is Satan. That's our enemies. That's what we have to fight on a daily basis. We talked about going to battle last week. Those are things that we have to battle. Folks, you, you, you don't realize how much you have to battle your own self. Every morning you get up, you're battling flesh. You're battling lusts. You're battling uh, temptations. You're battling things that the flesh wants. And the Spirit says, no, you can't have that. You don't need that. And so we're in a constant battle. We battle the world. We battle the world. You might not think about it that way, but we do. There's things going on in this world right now that affects Avery County. There's things going on right now in this world that affects your household. We've got to battle it. But the biggest thing we've got to battle is Satan himself. Oh, man, do we have to battle him. Day in, day out. From the day of salvation till you go to the grave, we've got to fight him every single day. Because he's got, he's got things up his sleeve. Jesus has given us that victory. Jesus gave us victory over the world. He gave us victory over this flesh. And by George, he gave us victory over Satan. I know that for a fact. And we need to remember that. Only self can give authority to one of those three enemies. Only you can give the devil authority. Only you can give the world authority. Only you can give the flesh authority. So it's up to you to say no to the world. Up to you to say no to the devil. It's up to you to say no to the flesh. You have to have that self-control. Only you can authorize those three things to affect your life. It's up to you to say no. They can't presume authority over us. I don't care what you think about the devil. He cannot presume authority over you because you are a child of the king. You belong to God. So he does not have authority over you, the devil. God does. But you've got to allow Satan into your life to mess things up. That is you. That is up to you. Just say no. Just say no. I don't have a banana or I'd point it at you right now. Just say no. As a Christian, they can rule only when they are invited. You, bring, you invite the world in to rule over you. You invite the devil in to rule over you. You're letting the flesh in to rule over you. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that ye enter into 
not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. He's telling us that the Holy Spirit inside of us, it's willing to help you. It wants to help you. The spirit inside of you says, I want nothing but the best for you. I want this perfect world for you. I want you to stay inside my will at all times. I want the best for my children like any father would. But he follows it up and says that the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. There's things that we want in this world, and we allow the the flesh to have authority when we shouldn't. Matthew nailed it right there. The Spirit indeed is willing. The Spirit wants the best for us, but the flesh thinks it knows what's better. Self, self, (laughs) you, yourself, makes the choice over the issue of control. You make that choice. You are the one that can say yes. You are the one that can say no. It's you that has to say yes or no. You have to have that control. You have to have the, you're the one that has the power in those two words, yes or no. You're going to say yes, you're going to say no. Self-control. It's fruit. Again, it, we call it temperance. King James Version Bible calls it temperance. That's self-control. We've got to have temperance, self-control. Peter's telling us today, live a spirit-filled life. Live a life of boundaries within God's word. That's another tough one to do right there. But live a life of self-control. Number two, live loving. Live loving. Verse 8 tells us, it says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. A couple Sundays or Saturdays ago when, when my cousin Callie got married, that the scripture she wanted read, uh, it was Ephesians. And we got talking about, um, or First Corinthians, I'm sorry. And it's talking about love, charity. Read all 13 verses of it. Boy, I, ain't gonna, I, ain't, I wasn't going to cut them out. I love charity. That's love. Peter's telling us we've got to live in love. Everything we do, we've got to do out of love. What do you think Jesus did on that cross right there? We look at it and we see a picture of someone crucified, someone dying, someone giving their life. But when I see that cross, I see someone that lived a life of love. I see someone that went to the cross out of love for each one of us. That's a life of love. That's what that cross means to me, a life of love. And Peter's telling us that's the kind of life you've got to live. In these last days, we're to live with a deep, like the Bible said there, a fervent love for each other. <laughs> oh, yep, yeah, sorry. That's biblical. You've got to love each other. Jesus told us we've got to love our neighbors. The Greek word here for, for fervent, y'all, I'm a nerd. I love these Greek words. Greek word for fervent, it's, it's an athletic word meaning to reach out or strain or exert an utmost amount of energy. We got to love till it hurts. <laughs> That's what he's telling us. Fervent. You got to stress. You got to strain. You got you to try everything in your being to love that person. And I believe everyone of y'all can sit here this morning and say amen to that. It hurts sometimes to have to love certain people. Don't it? Conley's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. It does. There's certain people in this world, it's hard. 
I've said it. We've always said this. I've heard a lot of people say this before. I'll always love them, but I don't have to like them right now. There's, I think I said that more than once to my sister. <laughs> You're not allowed to use that, Abby. But these last days, he's telling us, you got to love. You got to live and love everybody. Much as you don't want to. It means that we're to be passionate about loving one another. And that's another tough one, to be passionate about loving somebody. Now notice that these verses, in this verse right here, it says, above all things. I love those three little words right there. Above all things. Above all things. Before you do anything else, you love. Above all things, love. Above all things, you love. Before you serve. I don't care where you go, before you serve, he says love. Before you give, you love. And he's telling us right here, we are to love others even when it hurts us. Man, that just don't make sense, does it? Love even when it hurts us. Love them when they're persecuting you. Love them when they ridicule you. Love them when they're mocking you. What's that a picture of? The cross. That's a picture of Jesus right there. You love them when they're mocking you, you're ridiculing you, they're scorning you, when they're persecuting you. Bob Peter right here is telling us, he said, love them. Like he said this morning, Peter was there with Jesus. So he, he knew what he was talking about. He knew what Jesus went through before the cross, at the cross, after the cross. Peter knew. And so he's saying, everything Jesus did before on and after the cross, you are to do as well. Those people that are going to ridicule you, love them. Those people that are going to persecute you, love them. Those people that are going to mock you, love them. Don't sound possible, does it? Don't sound possible. But I'm pretty sure Paul told us, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So we can do it. We're going to back up to self-control for just a second. It's through that self-control that you can love. You control your emotions. And you can control that love that you have for one another. Now notice what, what, the, the, what this verse right here says. It says, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I love it. Love will cover the multitude of sins. Love covered my sins. It's that song we sing, Love Lifted Me. Love Lifted Me. Love covered my sins. The blood that was shed for me on that cross covers my sins, covers your sins. That's love. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. When we love above all things, we're not hating and we're not sinning. When we're focused on loving, we're not sinning. That's how we get away from sinning so much. We've got to focus, we've got to turn our focus toward the good things, the fruits of the Spirit. And one of them is loving, loving people. When we love above all things, we're living with the forgiven Spirit. Again, that's another tough one for us. But if we're loving somebody, we're forgiving them. 
What did Jesus tell us on the cross? Forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he told them on the cross. He could say that because he loved them. If he didn't love them, I don't believe he'd have said that. But he loved every single one of them. Those people down there at the foot of that cross, mocking him, cursing him, the soldiers that tortured him. He loved every single one of them. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That, that's, that's poster child love right there. When you see that and when you read that. When we love above all things, we're truly living a life of love and ministry. Ministry. We are to minister to others. And when we minister to others, we do it out of love. Lots of love. Number three, live doing good works. Now, we're not, we're not dipping into Catholicism this morning, by no means. And y'all know how I feel about works. We do works after salvation. That's what we're called to do. Verse 9 tells us, says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. This verse tells us about doing good, living in these last days, a, a life of good works. A life of good works. That's all he's asking. Once you're saved, do the best that you can. Go and love everybody that you can. In these last days, do the best that you can. Go do good. Go do good. That's all he's asking. That's not a lot. Do the best you can for, for him, for his glory, to build up his kingdom. But he's saying, he's saying right here about the hospitality, says use hospitality one to another without grudging. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our lives tend to be characterized by the wrong things that we do. Amen. Our lives are characterized by the bad things that we do. We talk about reputations all the time. These these people that have been doing whatever they've been doing for years, 30, 40, 50 years, they've been doing good for 30, 40, 50 years, they make one mistake, and it tarnishes their entire reputation. Preachers are always known by that one bad sermon than they are by the good sermons that they preached. I was thinking about this. If y'all like baseball, I love baseball. And, and I, I, I like some, some certain stats. So there's a, a, a little feller. And by the name of Reggie Jackson. He's a little feller, ain't he, James? A little bitty tiny feller. I'm going to give you some stats about Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, I had to write these down because uh, I didn't want to get these flip-flopped. Reggie Jackson hit 2,584 times. He hit, actually made contact with the ball 2,584 times. And 563 of those were home runs. Now remember that. He hit... 2,584 times. He still recorded number one with the most strikeouts, 2,597. What does he remind? Or what? What are we remembering him for? His home runs mainly, but nobody talks about the bad, holding the most strikeouts. That's how we need to be remembering. That's how we need to be remembered. By the good deeds that we're doing. By the good, not the bad. 
Nobody remembers Reggie Jackson for the strikeouts, the bad. They remember him for the good, for his hits and his home runs. When we leave this place, however we go out, we need to be remembered for the good that we have done, the good deeds that we have done, the good works that we're doing in his name. I'm not saying the good that we've done for ourselves. I'm talking about the good that we've done for the kingdom. That's what we need to be remembered for. All the good that we've done through the church, all the Bible schools and all the revivals and all the things and all the things that we're doing, not for the church, but for the glory of God. That's what we've got to be reminded or remembered for. Do good deeds. That hospitality he is talking about right there. Peter's teaching us to let your life be characterized by doing good. He was a good man. He was, or she was a good woman. She was faithful to the church. She was faithful to her family, to her husband. He was a faithful member of the church, or he was a faithful deacon, or he was a, a faithful husband. He was a faithful dad. He was faithful. He did good. She done good. Do the good deeds in this life. We need to strive. That hospitality he talks about right there. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And for the love of Pete, don't grumble when you do it. I meant Pete, but y'all get it here in a minute. Peter. For the love of Pete, don't grumble. Yep, see everybody's starting to get it now. Don't grumble. Don't grumble. Don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. <laughs> Peter told us, without grudging. Don't gripe. I don't think he knew what the Baptist church was going to look like in 2,000 years. <laughs> or maybe he did, and that's why he put it in there. He's just to remind us. Do it with a cheerful heart. Whatever we do, do it with a cheerful heart. Smile when you do it. Even though sometimes it might hurt you a little bit, you don't really want to go do it. Smile a little bit when you do it. Just grin from ear to ear. Like my grandma said, grin like a mule eating sawbriars. Do it because... We're going to be giving God the glory for whatever we do. Fourth thing, last one, live serving. That kind of goes back to the good deeds as well, but live serving. Verse 10, 11 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God is all things may God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our lives should be characterized by our service in the church as well as to others. What are we doing in the church? And then take it a step further. What is the church doing for others? What are we doing outside these four walls for others? George is about to lose her position there on the organ. As believers, we're given gifts once we receive the Holy Spirit. I talked about this not too long ago. We're given gifts. Now, are they the same gifts? No. When we're saved, we all get different gifts. Some can sing. That's not my gift. Some can play music. Still ain't my gift. Some are good speakers, good teachers. That's not my gift. I was just called to preach. That's it. But we all have something, whatever it is. Some have patience for kids. 
Really, I'm serious about that. Some people cannot handle children. They don't like to teach them. They just can't. They have a short fuse. They can't deal with it. But then you have people that can. That, that's a gift. And I'm thankful for those people that have that, that gift to, to work with children. But then there's people that cannot stand to be around adults. <laughs> the older I get, I think that's, sometimes that's me. I'd rather be around some youngins. But God calls us all into something in the ministry. We all have a skill or a talent. And he says, use it. Use it for him to glorify him. We're to use our gifts to build up the believers in the church and to witness around the world. Romans 12 tells us, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the uh, preparation, preparation of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. We all have something that we can do. We all have something. And maybe you haven't found it yet. Maybe the Lord just ain't opened up your eyes yet. Maybe you're still maturing in your faith, so it just hadn't come to light yet. We all have something that we can do. And so he says, do it. Just do it. That's one of the things that we've got to do because we don't have a lot of time left here on earth. Our time here is numbered. And he says, so go out and use those gifts that I have given you. Don't hoard them up. Don't, don't, some of y'all, I've told this story before, I, I think, but that's one of the things that my mom always told me. My mom could sing. Boy, she could sing. I remember going to church. I remember her up in the choir. I remember her singing. But at some point, I don't know the story, uh, much story uh, about why she stopped singing, but at one point, my grandpa told her that if you didn't use the gift that God gave you, that he may take it away from you. And I remember, I remember her telling me that when she was at the hospital after she had a stroke and she can't sing anymore. He gives us all something, and he says, use it. Use it. Don't, don't stop because you're bitter at someone. Don't stop because you're mad at somebody. Don't stop because you don't think it sounds good. So just keep using it. Just keep singing. Just keep teaching. Just keep praying. You know what? Some of y'all have got a gift of prayer. Some of y'all can just touch heaven whenever you open your mouth. You keep using that. And don't ever stop. Keep using that. Whatever we do or give, we should do it in a way that God gets the glory. Matthew 24 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's, that's telling us. We just don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. I, I don't know if I'll be here next Sunday to preach. I don't know if we'll be here at the end of this year for Christmas. I don't know. None of us know. He's telling us. Just be ready. So That old hide-and-seek game, remember we used to play it? Ready or not, here I come. Paisley still plays that with her dog. Ready or not, here I come. That's Jesus. Ready or not, here he comes. Ready is saved. Or not, 
not saved. Ready or not, he's coming. Be ready. No one knows when he'll come back, but we do know that it's closer now than it was yesterday. So how are you living? Are you living like there is no tomorrow? I hope we are. I hope we're doing everything he's asked us to do. I hope we're using all our skills, all our talents, everything he's gave us. I hope we're using them because we just don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. You stand with me just a moment. We're going to close out. Live like there's no tomorrow. How many of y'all singing that in your head right now? How many of y'all going to go skydiving tomorrow? We're going? Me and James gone. I really may not be back Sunday. <laughs> That's on my bucket list. Before I hit 40, I'm jumping out of a plane. Grandma says, why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good plane? Maybe it's not a good plane. I don't know. Live like there is no tomorrow. Tell you what, Peter, Peter gave, you, gave us all something to think about on that one. And there's a good reminder in there out of Matthew. We don't know the day or the hour that he'll come back. So be ready. Remember what they told us about we've got to keep our lamps trimmed low. We've got to make sure we've got the oil. Be ready. Be ready. Does anybody have anything on their heart this morning as we close out? Good to see everybody back. Everybody's been vacating. It's good to see everybody back safely. Not sunburnt. Ethan's got some shark tails he wants to tell everybody. <laughs> All right. Mike, will you dismiss us? Amen. All right, y'all have a good week. I'll see you back in the morning.